Keeping up with the research and then applying it to your clinical practice is hard. That's where we come in. I'm Sarah Cavallaro. And I'm Mim Rodder, and we are paediatric OTs who, through this Research and Reality podcast, aim to help you better examine the research and then interpret that into the practicalities of reality for the families you work with. So join us for the adventure. <laughs> adventure! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Sarah, to our very first Welcome. podcast. Wow, it's very exciting. Jumping in feet first. Yes, exactly. And so I thought we could probably just start with giving a little bit of a background about ourselves. You can hear from yes. our accents that we are Australian. Yep. And so hopefully you are okay with our accents if you're listening <laughs> from overseas. We'll try uh, not to use too much Aussie slang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we might have to explain that in the Facebook group for yeah. people. So I graduated from the University of Queensland in Australia in 2002. I worked rurally for a not-for-profit called Bush Kids in a small town called Emerald in central Queensland. I worked over in the UK in a variety of locum jobs for the National Health Service there. Most of them were paediatrics and I sort of did a variety, some assessment-based, uh, some group program-based ones, some home mods type, again, still paediatrics, but home mod-based ones. Yep. And then I came back to Australia and worked for another not-for-profit called called Montrose Access. And that is where I met Sarah. We uh, worked That's together right. there. Sarah was my boss, yep. still the smart one in the <laughs> team. Um, I had some babies in that time and then moved to the country, had a tree change. And so I started in a small town called St. George. I worked for Queensland Health. It was interesting. Pediatrics is my absolute passion. I've always loved kids. So I was thrown in the deep end in a rural generalist role. But yes, I had to see adults. Mm. Uh, and then similarly, we moved to another small town where I'm recording from now of Clermont in central Queensland. And I worked for Queensland Health there. And then I worked for a private organisation with clients on the NDIS, which is the National Disability Insurance Scheme that has fairly recently come into Australia. But I'm having a career break and this is where this podcast comes in. Mm, so exciting. what about you, Sarah? So I similarly, we're pretty close. I graduated from University of Queensland a year later than you, Mim, in 2003, and I was a gymnast growing up and then coached my way through uni as my part-time job and just loved kids, loved working with kids. So peds was a really natural kind of progression for me. I just didn't ever consider anything else really. I actually went to Montrose as a new grad. So I was there for a long time. <laughs> You're <laughs> not that old though. <laughs> no, I eventually was the, was the senior OT there. While I was there, I did a little bit of private off and on, just kind of dipped my toe into that. And eventually, you know, all good things come to an end. I moved from there into a private hospital and that role was pretty new, unique in that we were running a private practice out of a private hospital. So it was essentially a private practice that sat within the hospital and that was amazing experience for me move I guess from physical disability into what is now my passion which is autism and kids who are neurodivergent and I worked with and still work with an amazing speechy in that workplace who whose specialty is AAC and so really working with complex kids with you know significant language impairment um, mm. is really my jam now and 
yeah, again, some changes just over 12 months ago, I decided that I was working really hard for, for that workplace. And if I was going to work that hard, then maybe I should work that hard for myself. So in January 2021, I opened my own business, which is Exceptional Kids. And I've got a private practice now in Windsor, in Brisbane, in the northern suburbs of Brisbane. And I work there full time. I try and do Fridays non-clinical and a couple of days I do school hours to work in with my family. I've got one OT employee and I also employ an allied health assistant and she just helps me out with filing and photocopying and laminating and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, so a big move in the last 12 months and... Starting a podcast. Oh, of course, yes. Delving into the world of the amazing That's podcast. Right. Here we are. Um, a bit of our, about our family life mm. as well. It's always nice to know a little bit of small information. My husband works as a police officer and I think we've been married 13 years now. <laughs> but because of the police officer, him becoming a police officer, that was what prompted us to move to the country. Yeah, We wanted a bit of a tree change and so we went to places that he could get a job. And I now have four lovely children, two boys who are nine and seven and two girls who are five and two. And we are dead. Definitely done. Definitely keep me busy and involved in a lot of community stuff. Go to a church here in the small town we attend and involved in a lot of community things there as well. And yep. this podcast. Beautiful. I've got two girls, 12 and 9, and my husband works in data science and that's been really helpful to have his IT expertise over the last 12 months and also setting up some of this podcast stuff. Again, like Mim, uh, you know, I love my kids. My number one occupation is being a mum mm-hmm. and I certainly probably say yes to too many things <laughs> in our communities in volunteering sort of positions, but I do it because I love the girls and because I can and I'm lucky enough, you know, I think as allied health professionals, you know, it's a really family friendly job and even more, you know, I've got friends who are teachers and friends who are nurses and just nobody else has the same flexibility as us. So, you know, I feel really lucky to be able to do a job that I'm passionate about, but also that supports my number one occupation. So Mm. it's pretty cool. Lovely. And how we met, we've touched on it a little bit, but we met through Montrose Access. So Sarah was my boss and I I think I have to say you were a good one. (laughs) 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 Or you kicked me off the podcast even though it was my idea. But I will say this and it's hard when you're at the other end. I wrote this down in advance, but I really respected the grasp that you have had back then, but also have on the research and how you were always looking to practically apply it as well. And you produced, what was the guide you wrote on sensory processing? Yes, was just looking at it the other day. Yes, I wrote a, a booklet for teachers, specifically mm. for kids with physical impairment, about sensory processing and how to modify, a, make adjustments in the classroom based on a child's sensory profile. And I actually did that on my first maternity leave that was my little maternity (laughs) leave project can you believe it when you've only got one child and they sleep you can kind of do stuff right yeah I I, have always respected uh working with you and so where the idea for this podcast came from flows into that the idea of the 
idea of podcasts first came because here in, in Australia, and I know it happens in other countries as well, you have to do a certain number of professional development hours. And it was coming to the end of one of my reporting periods. And I have been audited before. Mm, me too. Yep. I have a sister who's also an OT who will be featured this term, this first term on our podcast. Yes, you're a family uh, said, of allied health. We are a family of mm. allied health. And I'm like, I'm just four hours short. How will I find it? How will I find four hours in like a week? And she suggested listening to a podcast. I thought she was genius and she re- recommended Sue Larkey, who does things. She's a teacher. Sue Larkey's a teacher, isn't she? Yeah, yeah who does things right. on um, autism. Yep. So I listened to that and that gave me the last four hours. And then... With wanting to take a career break recently, but wanting to keep my finger in the pie, I was trying to think of ways to do it. I've been running a paediatric special interest group for Occupational Therapy Australia that meets four times a year. And every second one, we try to do like a journal club. Mm. So where you bring a research article along. And I found it quite interesting. And I felt the same as well. More Mm. often than not, people would either say they didn't bring an article along because they didn't have time or they were new to the group. So wanted to just see how other people did things. And even those people who did bring an article often said things like, oh, I'm not very good at this, Mm. uh, but here's what I found. And the Um, other thing I find is that people don't know where to get an article yes and they don't know whether you know obviously now with google scholar it's really easy to search on google scholar but people are not sure whether google scholar is a good place to get articles you know there's just a lot of unknowns isn't there in in the whole research and evidence-based practice world yeah and i think that's even applicable outside of occupational therapy but yeah but then these sort of ideas clash together in my head of like oh a podcast was great for my CPD and I'm finding another I'm finding other OTs are struggling to sort of interpret research yeah and so I was like well we could produce a podcast on that Mm. and I looked in I looked out there into OT podcasts and I had listened to some OT podcasts in the past and nothing wrong with these ones but a lot of them were interview based Mm. I found just google searching Mm on a podcast search engine mm. in 2021 there were over 2.2 million podcasts mm. out there it's amazing isn't it yeah and I only I could only find one that looked at OT research mm. and like actually <laughs> looked at the articles which is sort of there's a whole plug for this mm. but people are not feeling capable yeah. so I'll give a shout out to Sarah Lyon from OT Potential and you yep. can go check out her podcast as well because she mm-hmm. was an inspiration but I did think out of 2.2 million mm. podcasts if there's only one looking at the research then we probably Certainly would have the some market room. is open yes <laughs> <laughs> and I think the difference as well again OT Potential great listen to her but she's based in America and obviously yeah. we're in Australia so it is a slightly different even market. though research yep. is international it's a slightly different environment and OT potential is great because it looks at articles from across the scope of OT but because we both had a passion for pediatrics then I thought there was room for uh, like looking more specifically at pediatric articles yeah absolutely yep and yeah like for example OT potential aims to look at the most influential OT articles it's determined by how many times they've been cited by other research but we wanted to not only do the big ones but also some of those hidden gems yeah that may have been missed and even like I think we will review some articles that may not have the best research model Absolutely. so we can actually say hey we can get a little bit out of this but we can't apply it too much for these reasons yeah 
Yep. So yeah. That's and right. then that's how we learn. I think that's the way to go. I think we're going to learn as we go. I'm mm. a podcast junkie. It's all I listen to when I'm in the car. Yes. Although I have I am listening to an audio book at the moment. Yeah, I'm definitely a podcast junkie and love them. So I just, I think it's a great idea. And I'm so happy, privileged that you asked me, Mim, because yeah, I think it's going to be a great journey for us to go on. Yeah, I'm very excited. Why a podcast? I like listening. I'm a podcast junkie as well, because I can listen to podcasts mm. anywhere. So yep. I can listen to them in the car. I can listen to them while hanging out washing. I can listen to them while washing up. I my husband often has to tap me on the shoulder, like if I've got the headphones <laughs> in, he's like, in. Can, you, can you pause it? And I'm like, oh, no, no, actually, no, no, I've already paused it. I just the earbuds are still in. Or like, yes, wait a minute, give me a second. I've got a um, fancy watch now. I can pause it from my watch. Oh, so yes, great. maybe, I need, yeah. to, maybe yes. I need to do that. Yes. We do talk, like, again, being parents, we know difficulties with screen time and the obsession yeah. kids have with screen yeah. times. And I found, again, I haven't looked at the efficacy of this evidence, but studies showing that the brain is more active while listening mm. to podcasts than when watching television. That's a real benefit of pod- podcasts over, say, something like a YouTube clip or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You, can, you don't have to pay visual attention to it and your brain is actually more active. More active. And I think yeah. it is an easy way to get CPD hours. We do want it to em- empower you as well absolutely we want we want you to listen to an episode and then think about how that applies to your clinical practice and we realize that even though we talk about specializing as pediatric OTs it still encompasses this huge yes. range of what we do right we we recognize that not all articles are going to be applicable to everybody but I think you will be surprised I mean, I know I'm surprised sometimes at the applicability of articles that maybe don't directly relate to me, but you get things out of it, like the way that you set goals or the way that you interact with parents and caregivers, you know, those are kind of universal um, topics that might be hidden in an article. Mm. And even just the more exposure you have to research and listening about hey this is this type of research this is that type of research the more you will become confident in picking up a research article and hopefully if any people who are listening who are attending the special interest group I run we'll have lots more people that go you know what because I listened to that podcast I can easily pick up this article and feedback on it yeah what uh, research and reality aims to do and I again shout out to Sarah Lyons because it was her intro in her OT potential. She quotes some statistic, and I looked it up on the internet as well. A study from 2011 by Peter Denson, a medical doctor, states, it is estimated that the doubling time of medical knowledge in 1950 was 50 years, in 1987 years, and in 2010, 3.5 years. And he goes on to say that in 2020, it is projected to be just 73 days. So how do you even keep on top of how fast that medical Mm, knowledge is doubling? We know that in humanities and in health sciences, it's really tricky for the evidence to grow when so much of it is qualitative, not quantitative. And so I think that can help guide people's clinical practice. Mm. So in the short term, we really want to include improve confidence of clinicians to translate research knowledge into practice and we want to also build an international community of OTs dedicated to using evidence-based practice. We know that there are 
Australian OTs, international OTs out there, and we want to create a little band of us to be able to do that together and to be able to rigorously discuss articles as they come up. We want to improve the lives of children and young people accessing occupational therapy services. The reason that we do this is so that we can be better clinicians and we can provide yes. better services for the kids and young people and the families in our care. Mm. We also want to provide a medium for OTs to access quality CPD in line with current technology and media consumption trends. And we haven't yet talked about the structure of our podcast, but we're going to include guest speakers in that. And so not only can you listen to the podcast and think about the article, but hopefully you'll be able to have access to world-class people who were able to talk and give us extra knowledge on top of the articles in their field. In the long term, we want to enable OTs to analyse and apply research independent of the podcast, which is what Mim was talking about in terms of people coming along to the special interest group meetings with more confidence. And we want to inspire clinical OTs to conduct research and not see it only as the realm of academics. And in actual fact, we would love to conduct some research on the listeners of our podcast and whether it does actually increase your confidence and improve your clinical services. And that's not quite ready to go yet, but watch this space. I just wanted to say there was a series called Pinky in the Brain. And that's what I feel like Sarah and my relationship is. And so she's the brain and I'm Pinky. So <laughs> it's got a lot of the knowledge and lots of the, those ways to apply it. But I'm the one that's going to not be afraid to ask the silly questions. The idea is we are not absolute experts. We're yep. learning and growing as we go along. So give us some grace if we get things wrong. And if you think we haven't done a great critique, let us know and we can learn from it as well. You can let us know through the Facebook group, through email, things like that. Almost our catchphrase is instead of in Pinky in the Brain, Pinky would say, what are we going to do tonight? Brain and Brain says the same thing we do every night, Pinky, try to take over the world. Instead, I can say, Sarah, what are we going to do this fortnight? Same thing we do every fortnight, Mim, try to apply the research into reality. (laughs) Okay, doesn't quite have this. People will be on YouTube now, Mim. What is she talking about? Um, so yeah, so we want it to be an adventure. We want it to be a journey that we all go in on together. Um, but yeah, but we want to take away some of that effort of finding the articles, Mm. reviewing the articles Mm. from you so that you can just listen, absorb. Okay. I feel like I got enough out of that article that they said. And then there's another article that we analyze and you're like, okay, that sounded really good. I want to go into that one in more detail. So we don't want you to switch off your brain and just absorb it, but yeah, we want, we want you to be active in that and feel free to give us that feedback. Our aim is to drop because that's a podcast term. Oh, listen to us. And drop an episode every fortnight <laughs> during term time. So we'll have four articles a term. Our idea is that each term will try to have a theme. Mm. So this term, we're going to have a feeding theme, but if you have no interest or you're not seeing any clients um, with feeding issues. We also have for our fourth article, we've titled it now for something completely different where we look at an article not related to the theme and that we feel like may be relevant across all specialties within pediatrics. And as Sarah said, I still think it may be beneficial to listen to some of the other articles. You never know what you might be able to pick up, even just the way of looking at articles. But yeah, at least, you know, sort of there's a few articles on a similar theme, but there's something that hopefully applies to you. 
one of our themed articles each term will be picked by a guest and an expert in that themes field yep. and we'll end the term with a bonus episode where we interview that guest so the idea is we will look at the article mm before the guest comes on yep. so we can just do the nitty-gritty of that we're not sort of occupying their time with just reviewing the article and we will mm-hmm. touch on the article with them we'll actually find that an opportunity to just soak up as much wisdom from that topic we're hoping to be able to have some pre-prepared questions for that speaker after we review an article we will probably come up with some questions that we have for our guest speaker, but we're also going to open it up to you guys. So we hope that if you've got a question for our guest speaker, you'll be able to submit it to us. And that way we can give our guest speaker, you know, a little bit of advanced notice in terms of making sure that they cover that in the session that we do with them. We will talk a little bit about this at the end, but some of you who have listened to podcasts in the past may be familiar with Patreon and that's a way we want to make this podcast free, but it does take time to put this podcast together to do the research and things like that. And so if you want to support us financially, you can support us through Patreon. And as I say, I'll I'll touch on it later, but you can get benefits for different support levels. Another great bonus that we want to make available every podcast is a section we're titling Ask Anu. And so we're going to talk to Dr. Anu, who she has her doctorate in occupational therapy. We're going to ask her a general question about research, uh, whether it's around a statistical term. Often, I think a barrier that therapists feel is that they don't know how to interpret some of those Mm. statistical terms or they're like I've heard of qualitative and quantitative research or I I know I know we did all these stats things at university but that was a long time ago it's just a short section at the end to explain some sort of research term that is applicable either to that article that we've reviewed or to articles across the board Uh, so it's just yeah empowering you with some of those terms and with someone much more qualified than us to talk about them Yes, exactly. Yes, very, very lucky to have her on. Hello and welcome, Dr. Anu Bhakti. It's great to have you on board with our wonderful podcast, Research and Reality. And we just love the idea that we've got someone with your vast experience coming on board and helping us just understand particularly some of the terminology of the research. But before we go into all that, I'd just love to get to know you and our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So can you give us a bit of a background of your history and your career and maybe even some of your passions as well? Oh, thanks, Mim. Um, Yes, so what's my history, my background? I'm a paediatric occupational therapist, a clinician and an academic and the history is a long time ago, so I won't go into how many years, but I can say that it's a few decades that I've been um, working as a pediatric uh, occupational therapist, and it's a very strong part of my identity. I started my career, I think, 20 years now, so I have really grown and worked with a variety of populations, socioeconomic, different cultures, so I, I feel like I'm it's it's really interesting my life career now that you ask me and and in the midst of that I had a family and that changed a lot of practices that I do so Mm -hmm. I was a very different OT before I had my 
daughter and then when I had her completely changed and I kept wondering how you know how parents actually do what they do and, <laughs> it's true it's very true it is isn't it like you know how can they even go to work and then do therapy as well that we expect them to do so this was years ago and then that's when my practice really really changed as well so yes so I know you're calling me a researcher but you know my career in as a research and academic really began 10 years ago. Before that, I was a hardcore clinician, but I was always very curious and always wanted to question my practice and be ethical in what I do. So I would read research and I would try and, you know, evaluate what I did. And then one day I was doing my master's and then I was doing my PhD and there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I really love about your story, that you are really a a clinician at heart, but then you've now found yourself in research because of discovering this dual passion. So you still have a passion for your clinical work, but you have a passion for your research as well. Could you tell us a little bit about your research? Yes, so currently I work at Monash University as a senior lecturer researcher. And you're very right. So I do have quite a bit of passion for my research as well. And I often, you know, we talk about academic identity and who do I identify as? And I'm like, oh, in my heart of hearts, I still think I'm a clinician. But really, I'm also a very strong advocate for research in in pediatric OT. So my journey began with my master's when I was working with children and we were using a brushing program and we weren't, weren't quite sure whether there was any research really on it. And that's when I started. I started my master's looking at that intervention. I published uh-huh. a paper on that, but then it wasn't a very big study and I questioned whether... I should still be doing it because there was not enough evidence for it. And so that's where, you know, I started questioning my own practice. I questioned my own practice quite a lot, actually. So I, I try not to get comfortable with what I do. And I try to respond to people's research and um, respect the research as well. So then, (laughs) then what happened was I, I actually finished my master's and got an invitation into the PhD program. And I'm like, no, 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 no way. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. And my supervisor said, oh, doesn't the sound of Dr. Bokti sound good to your ears? And I'm like, oh, anyway, I was looking for a topic because I knew that this was, if, if I was going to do a PhD, it would have to be something that really I've thought about in my practice. So One of the things that I said to you earlier was that when I had my own child, I started thinking about families and what impact just having a child is on your whole life, on your identity, your quality of life. And I met this wonderful researcher person in New York, I think it was, we were at an early intervention conference and she presented a model of family quality of life. And she talked about how she had a son with autism and his sister was there too. So they talked about how it impacted their family quality of life and how their life is, they would never change it for anything, but you know how there's different moderators and mediators that can actually help or hinder your quality of life. And I knew that that was my topic. I knew that I wanted to, as an, even given occupational therapy lens to it, like what happens to parents' occupations? What happens to their roles when they have a child with a disability because it's a long-term commitment? So that's when my journey into PhD began. And I'm really still so intrigued 
and consumed by this topic because I've finished my PhD. I'm doing some translation work after that, working with families closely, but I'm still trying to, you know, use those principles in practice and then use those research back in practice and practice back in research. So yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> what I love about that is that it is that to and fro and I remember us talking before that sometimes clinicians can sort of think researchers are a bit in their own little world and researchers can sometimes think that clinicians are oh, they're not really looking at what we're doing and they're just getting yeah. on with their own life but you were sort of saying you are passionate about trying to get the research done so that it can inform the clinical practice but then inspire the clinicians to read the research and look at the research and change their practice but also maybe even look at doing some research themselves yes yes all of the above and i do very much appreciate the time limits and barriers that you know clinicians talk about but i often question and clinical practice saying that if there is evidence then we need to find time to actually look at the evidence so that it strengthens our practice, not because we're saying that you're not doing the right thing, but really because we want to be guided by the research. We want to have quality practice. And I'm, I'm really an advocate for that. So anytime I feel I question, am I doing it ethically right if I'm not actually looking at what the research is telling me to look at? Mm, no, that's excellent. And I think that even comes back a little bit to what you were talking about with parents and the children that we work with, that we are time poor, but they're in some ways even more time poor. So we wanna make sure that we're giving them really good quality input as well. And that does mean using your clinical reasoning, that does mean listening, the parent is the expert in their child's life, but it is also looking at what actual interventions assessments interventions things like that have some of that evidence behind them so mm. yeah i think i think that's a really good because of your phd because of your clinical background we're really excited to have you on board as part of research and reality oh well the pleasure's all mine this is what i love doing <laughs> so how you can get involved with us we'd love you to rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're listening to not only does it give us feedback but it helps other listeners find the podcast it's easier for people to search for us once we have been rated and reviewed on any of the apps that you're listening on as Mim mentioned we also have a Patreon system so Patreon is a way to financially support people who create we really want you to be able to listen to this for free but it does take us time to review the articles to record the podcast to chat to have meetings we're hoping that for our patreon members you'll have access to a closed facebook group where we can share potentially the article if it's freely available but also some extra information about the article and a bit of a i guess a rigorous clinical discussion about that mm. and that takes time as well you can have different levels the first level is research rookie and at the stage of us recording this it just costs a dollar a month to become a research rookie that's only 12 dollars a year and there are other levels it's best to just check out our patreon and we'll 
provide a link in the show notes, but the bonus episode that will be available where we speak to an expert on the topic for that term, that will be available at another level, getting the article in advance. So you may be able to have a look at it, getting the critique sheet, those sorts of things are available. So exactly as we said, we still want this to be a free podcast so you can just listen and you can just enjoy but if you want to engage a little bit more we would love you to become a patreon supporter if you would like to like our facebook page we will share updates on that that's not a closed group that's an open yes. facebook page but that will at least alert you to when a podcast is dropped <laughs> or when something is happening a guest speaker is coming on you know all of that sort of stuff will post on that facebook page and i guess if you're listening and you've enjoyed today or you've enjoyed any article we'd love you to just tell people about us obviously we want you to tell your ot colleagues but you know, there may be some articles that apply to other allied health professionals mm. or to educators. And I guess I'm thinking, you know, our first term, this term is primarily going to be about feeding. And there's lots of speech pathologists and dietitians who do feeding therapy, who may well be interested in not only the articles, but in coming along to listen to our guest speaker as well. So please feel free if you have enjoyed it in any way, shape or form, then please share it. We want this to be interactive. I mean, obviously we are, <laughs> Mim and I are interacting with each other over the screen when we record this. We really want this to become a community and for that to happen, mm. we would love to interact with you and to hear your opinions and to hear what you think of the podcast. So please let us know. We'll have an email address that you can send an email to that in the show notes. Everybody's got the download on our work backgrounds and how we met and why we wanted to start this podcast. We just want to say, if you've got this far in, thank you so much for listening. We're really excited to do this. And we just want to say thanks for coming on the journey with us as we learn not only about translating research into reality and research into clinical practice, but also learning about making a podcast too. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Sounds great. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. We're excited to announce the date of our first live podcast in which you can join us. This will involve us interviewing Pippa Van Wyk, a paediatric occupational therapist, and she has extensive experience and passion in the area of feeding, and she picked one of our research articles this term. Pippa will share insights into her work as a feeding therapist and help us understand how her article of choice has shaped her clinical work. We're holding the podcast recording on Wednesday, the 7th of September, 2022 at 8pm Brisbane time and we'd love you to submit your clinical questions beforehand so that we can send them on to Pippa and you can do that by emailing us at researchandreality at exceptional-kids.net so that's research and reality at exceptional-kids.net and you will have the opportunity to ask questions on the night but if you can send the questions that means people will be able to prepare and answer those questions more thoroughly. So remember that this is a complimentary invitation for our listeners out there who have listened and supported us for the first term of our podcast. So thank you and tell others about the opportunity. If you can't make it on that particular evening, a recording will be released on the podcast. So don't worry, you will not miss out.
Details of signing up for that are available in our show notes and on both our Facebook page and Facebook group. Our second announcement is that Pippa Van Wyk and her colleague, speech pathologist Carly Betts, are holding a two-day introduction to feeding basics assessment and intervention workshop on Friday the 2nd of September and Saturday the 3rd of September. Again, a link to that workshop is available on our show notes and through our Facebook page and group. I know it's very short notice, so get in there because that will be a great opportunity if you live in Brisbane. Unfortunately, it's based in Brisbane. As our first supporters, we'd like to thank you for listening and give you the Research Rockstar perks for free. Just email us your details and you'll get all the Research Rockstar perks for free the rest of this year, that's 2022, including being part of our bonus episode on the OT role in feeding therapy with Pippa Van White. After this term, though, we'll be making the Facebook group a closed group, so get in quick. And feel free to still financially support us via Patreon for the rest of this year if you wish because that will enable us to make more great research podcasts.